the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our daily three-hour tour. It is a real privilege and honor to welcome to the show someone who's taught me more than he will uh, even know himself, and this is true of so many others, Michael Ferris. Mike Ferris is the president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, at Alliance Defends is their Twitter site, but he has so much uh, more in addition. I have to tell you um, just a brief story, Mike, before I let you speak, because that's just one of these incidents I'll never forget. You had no idea who I was. This was many moons ago, maybe 30. We were in a room of a U.S. senator arguing for some legislation, and he had a couple of pens, quill pens on his wall. And you said in response to him about some constitutional point, he said, I see you have a few pens on your wall, quill pens from the Supreme Court. I got one, too. Now, since then, you've gotten two. But I remember when you said that it was about that famous case, Witters, you did. And I turned my head and I said, I got to get to know this guy. This man has been defending homeschooling and educational and constitutional rights for his life, uh, his whole life. Mike Ferris, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure having you. Seth, it's good to talk to you again. Thank you so much for having me on your show. You betcha. You betcha. Your piece, The Coming Backlash Against Woke Public Schools in National Review last week, is what I wanted to reach out to you about. And I'm glad you wrote it because... A lot of us have been thinking for the past year and a half, has the rest of the country woken up, Mike, or beginning to wake up to what homeschoolers have known for years and years and years? Um, they got a peek into what's actually going on in the public schools in some cases and didn't like it. And in some cases, they realized, you know, we can do a hell of a lot better than what our 15000 bucks or whatever we're paying in taxes goes for this crappy education, pardon my French. Did the rest of America get an insight into what you've known for for many years over the last year and a half, Mike? Well, I think that so. The, um, the fact that um, parents had to be more involved in their kids' education was one of the factors, but at the same time, the public school and their woke ideology was ratcheting up in a, just an uh, incredible, alarming pace, um, deciding that they were going to foist contrary worldview on kids just, you know, um, hang the consequences. They're, they're, they're full speed ahead. And parents caught on. And I, I see evidence all over the country of parents saying, hey, enough is enough. And they're, you know, not all hard conservatives like, you know, me, uh, and, but they're just kind of the, you know, the middle of the road, you know, the typical average soccer mom. They're fed up with it. They don't want their kids to go to public schools to be indoctrinated. They want them to go and get a normal, good, high-quality academic education. And and I, I think that we're going to see a an incredible backlash against what's clearly an indoctrination program. They don't care if it's sexual politics or racial politics or environmental politics or whatever kind of politics they want to peddle for the day. Parents are sick of the politicization of their kids for the school system. And I think there's going to be a big, big turn. Well, I I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, And as you write in your piece, 
uh, there's really only two choices to fix what's going on, and the wise uh, the wisest would be is if the schools could simply would simply depoliticize education. That's not their interest, obviously. Uh, parents do have an interest, right, Mike? And their interest is the education and nurturing of the souls of their children, and they can, I think, as they've learned in some cases, in many cases. Do it as good or better than um, than what the quote unquote professionals are doing, but do we have enough resources? I mean, a state like Arizona, you know what well. We do a pretty yeah. pretty good job with giving those choices. Not great, but maybe better than a lot or most. Oh, one of the best. Okay, one of the best. Okay, how how much can we get that to the rest of the country? Well, I don't think we're going to need to get it uh, legislatively in any kind of uh, quick turnaround, although I think that we will see some progress in that regard. Uh, I have long believed that when about 30 percent of the population was saying, we're sick of this, we're tired of it, and they organize themselves and bring that kind of uh, pressure upon a state legislature, a 30 percent organized minority will flip. I don't care how, how organized the teachers union is and their allies. That can turn it. Yeah, they're, they're but, not thirty percent of America. No, they're and so, so I think that you know there, there's some hope on that regard. But we are aiming at uh, doing what Bill Barr said in a speech uh, for us uh, at Alliance Defending Freedom about a month ago, and, and that is we're aiming at litigation. Good. And we're in research right now, and because we think that there's a constitutional problem here, the the well, there's three constitutional issues. One is parental rights, one is religious freedom, the free exercise clause, and the other is the establishment clause. And on the establishment clause, uh, the courts have recognized that a non-theistic religion can be a religion, right. for, for example, in consciousness objection right. uh, cases. Right. And so uh, it, so we contend, that, and Bill Barr contended, that it can be a religion for establishment clause purposes as well. So if you're trying to advance a religion or a, a comprehensive worldview, if it's, you just say it that way, people get it easier, mm-hmm. a comprehensive worldview through the public schools where you're expecting kids to believe this worldview— that's a religious indoctrination, and we think that that violates the Establishment Clause, and we think that parents, at a minimum, have a, a right to some form of educational choice, whether that's a voucher or some other method for the money to follow the kid. And, and so um, we're, gonna, uh, we're looking at these cases, and you know, we're, we're making efforts right now to uh, raise the uh, profile and the resources to, to do that, and if, if we're successful in doing that, and I think we will be, we're going to go after it by this fall. You're good. You're the right one. You're the right attorney and the right group to do it, Mike. Uh, we're talking to Michael Ferris, president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. Something I feel like compelled to get out, and I know it may not be the focus of your litigation. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But just as a note to parents and for the purposes of this conversation, I have to tell you, Mike, when once upon a time I was such a fan of vouchers, and, and I still am, but it's tempered, I have to tell you, because I got to tell you, I think I've looked at a lot of the private school curricula, and you obviously have seen what's going on in, in some of these very tony private schools in New York, and right. in many cases worse than public schools. Fair enough? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and I um, you know, would, would say I think there's going to be new choices. I think Good. parents are going to get together. I mean, there will be a lot, of, a lot of new homeschooling. Homeschooling has doubled this last year, and of course, that's you know, a special place in my heart for yep. homeschoolers, you know, top of my list. Yep. But I think they're going. you're going to see a lot of cluster schools where there are good quality teachers that are stuck in these public schools. They don't want to be teaching this indoctrination business. 
and you know, fifteen parents get together and say, "Hey, we've got a, we've got our ten thousand or twelve thousand dollars each. Will you come teach our kids?" Mm-hmm. And the teachers can, you know, uh, create a cluster school, and uh, you know, that kind of innovation um, is both legally permissible and would be um, uh, a great alternative for for a number of people. So I think we're going to see, uh, see people uh, waking up. And moreover, I think the market will have a, a dramatic effect because parents are going to say, okay, well, now show me your curriculum. Before I give you my, my, my $15,000, right. Right. show me your curriculum. Right. And and if, if they're going to be doing this nonsense, um, people will say, no, we're, gonna, we, we, we're not coming to you. We're not going to jump out of the frying pan into the fire. So uh, whatever pe- whatever parents do, check out what your kid's being taught. I mean, if, if, if your listeners get nothing else out of this, this conversation, be sure to do that. Find out what's really going on because what you think is going on especially in the public schools, it's probably not it's what It's probably you think. not what's so, going on. Yeah. 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 It's probably not. The, 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 there's a philosophical or political social question I have for you, Mike, which is the most concerning to me. Um, I wonder if sometimes we're operating – in a in a in a in a system where where we we think too many other parents may think like us. In other words, do you ever worry about the parent who's well intentioned but doesn't focus maybe that much on politics, which is probably eighty percent of most parents, quite frankly, if they're normal. Right. Do you worry about them? You know, coming their child comes home and has a flyer tomorrow. We're going to be taught uh, respect for. Uh, uh, preschool, transgender, blah, 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 blah. And the parent goes, oh, okay, well, that seems like the nice, right thing to do in our society. Do you worry about parents that are just, you know, they just kind of go along, get along, and kind of buy into the liberal narrative, and and it's going to be awfully hard to fight that kind of culture? Well, I, I think that, you know, of course, there's some degree of concern about that. But I think most parents just have a knee-jerk reaction of, why are you talking to my four-year-old about Good. sex? Good. And and so, or eight year old, or twelve year old, for that matter. Good. Um, and so the you know they can they can see pretty transparently. And of course, you know your program and other resources that people are are waking up. And the the, the you know uh, social media for all of its um, censorship type tactics, it's not it's not stopping at all. And 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 the word is getting out. And. At this point, all that parents need to know is this is too political for my taste. They don't have to be a conservative evangelical Christian. They just have to say, I want my kid taught math, not sex. And if if they're willing to think that, and I think the vast majority of parents, when you put it to them that way, they go, yeah, I want my kid taught math, not sex. And you're not as worried about a country that thinks sex is more important than math. Uh, yeah, 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 I know. I, that's an unfair question to you. I know you are yeah, concerned, no, I, it, it, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's um, uh, we need a country yeah. that can operate, um, and we're we're selling ourselves down the tubes, and our our, our ability to compete. I mean, it, it's it's not only the individual we're robbing these kids of their individual opportunities, we're uh, we're robbing our nation of our future well that's right see this is what's so odd to me a little bit of my education background we used to worry about things like pisa and nape you know and math and science we used to worry about those things and wring our hands about them yeah and now we're worried about whether we understand that it's okay if a five-year-old decides to change their gender we just we just left that all behind it seems to me we don't care about math and science anymore it seems it seems anyway yeah 
Well, exactly. I mean, the 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 priorities of the of the schools. Um, it's clearly uh, the priorities of you know political philosophy, political indoctrination, and and and, and they're even saying things that you know that teaching people the basic theories of math that that, that that's racist Correct. in and of itself. Right. It's it's you know it's just I mean you know, people are out of their minds. I mean. To the point, I mean, the, the one thing that you know distills people's thinking a lot is when they start calling moms the birthing parent, right? Right. Um, as as if that's the totality of what a mom does. You bet. You know, she gives birth and and she's done. Yep. You know, my wife, you know, we, we've got ten kids and they're from forty six to twenty four. She's on the phone the other day talking through with one of our kids, you know, a, a situation. She's being a mother, mm. you know, thirty five years later. And and it's not birthing parents. She's a mom, and 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 the vast majority of people take offense to that kind good. of nonsense. Good, good. But that that's where we're going. And so it, it's really distills down pretty easily. Do you want your kids taught that moms are moms, or they're only birthing parents, so that we can, uh, you know, check some politically correct box? It's why that, why don't you get alliance defending the, get alliance defending freedom to propose to your uh, senators in every state you operate? I guess I would be all fifty. Uh, to propose a law to change Mother's Day to Birthing Parents Day, and I bet you'd win the debate in about a minute. <laughs> yeah, about well, a minute. About uh, a minute. About a minute. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean the the uh, the insanity of it. I mean, yeah. one of the ways that the the, the convention on the, uh, on, uh, the rights of women, CEDAW, was defeated years ago was we pointed out that the CEDAW committee. Said the Mother's Day, the concept of Mother's Day was sexist, <laughs> and and so boom, it, it killed it in the U.S. Senate. And, and, and now we here have our, our our own government saying that Mother's Day is sexist. Yep. And I, we, who, imagine what was it? What are they going to call fathers? No, they're things not, are moving fast. Crazy. I filled out a medical form yeah. yesterday that asked for my gender assigned at birth. I, I, that wouldn't have been on that form two years ago, Mike. It, things are moving no, very I, fast. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But bless you for being on it, sir. And Godspeed to you, Michael Ferris, and the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, we are free and safe because people like you do the work that you do, Mike. I really appreciate your teaching and your friendship. Thank you, Seth. Good to talk to you. God you betcha, you. sir. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Bill is in Buckeye. Hello, Bill. Hello, Seth. How you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good, good. Uh, say, Seth, I was wondering... Um, some states are passing laws um, banning critical race theory from their uh, curriculum. Right. Wondering if it would be possible to ban, um, you know, inappropriate um, sexual um, material from uh, certain grade levels uh, just by the state. I, I think it's actually easier to do that than ban critical race theory. Bill, um, I, Arizona. By the way, Arizona legislature banned uh, critical race theory um, on a party. I think it was party line. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, but I think the statues, as much as I support them and would be voting for them, I'd write them differently. Uh, I think a little bit because I think this is on the critical race theory bill. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna run into a lot of court problems. I just do, based on certain claims of vagueness. The way a lot of them have been written, I worry about that. I worry about any law. That touches um, that touches what can be discussed 
as uh, as running afoul of the First Amendment, except except on what you are suggesting. I think you can make a much tighter, stronger case on banning sex education because you're banning an entire form. You're banning an entire form. That's one thing. And you're banning a discussion of an activity which is easily identifiable and probably can't be banned for vagueness in most cases that I can imagine. So I think it's easier. I think it's easier as a matter of law for states to ban uh, sex education. It's harder as a matter of politics because uh, every time these things come up, Bill – uh, you know, it, the fight just becomes – it doesn't always, but almost always – becomes one of, you know, the blue noses versus, uh, you know, modern society and health and public health and all that kind of thing. Quite honestly, I'm just a little tired of um, of uh, the uh, exquisite, seemingly exquisite concern uh, for children's uh, physical health at the expense of their mental health. I truly am getting a little tired of it. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, any any fight worth uh, any issue, you know, that if it's important enough, is worth fighting, even if you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. If you think you can at least change some minds and and start the process of educating people to the to the dangers involved, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, otherwise, you're just kind of rolling over. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be able to shape public opinion. And we have to be able to shape it on the critical issues or or let's just give it to them. And, well, and well, that's the that, point. That, and I think we've given it to them for 30 years. And it was like something like over the last maybe 40, something like over the last year and a half, people realized finally woke up. Wait a minute. My God, this is what's going on. And and what right. happened here, Bill, is because we were complacent or um, unaware uh, because of that. Because of our blind eye and deaf ear, they got bolder. They thought we were okay with. It. They thought silence equaled uh, what's the old phrase? They th- they th- they thought silence equaled acceptance. And right. and we did we just didn't know. So they went further and further to the point where they're now proud and boastful. Have you seen some of these videos of 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 some of these uh, these actors actors who are called experts and specialists? Who dress up um, as you know as figures who have changed their gender to teach children that it's okay at the ages of five, six, and seven? Have you seen their videos? They're proud of it. Boy, I'll tell right. you, if that were going on under my school, I'd get rid of it. But I certainly will tell you this: I wouldn't strut about it. I wouldn't promote it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be proud of it. Right, right. And I, I think they've maybe gone too far now. Yeah, and- maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe we're the progressives, as C.S. Lewis said. Sometimes the real progressive is who, Bill? Nicely done. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Be right back. You know, I just that is such a good hard drive um, photograph, right? It almost could be an opening, almost, for a top of the hour, but not today. We won't make that. Uh, we won't uh, won't make that decision today. But that I just love that drive. I love it. I love it. Well done. Thanks. Uh, where am I going to next? Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Tim. Oh, good. Tim in Peoria. I was hoping to hear from Tim. 
Seth, how are you? I'm sir? well. I'm glad you called. How are you? I'm doing well. Every time education comes across the board on your show, I, I one, number one, I can't wait to listen, see what you're going to say next and what your guests are going to say, and then hopefully I can get in on the mix. Yeah, no, I know. I, I look forward I, to your call because yeah. now, now we can do the corrections. <laughs> <laughs> no, be quiet. So, you know, I left teaching in 2018. There was a lot of reasons to it, but yep. the most important thing was um, 12 years after 12 years of teaching, when the principal came in and said, I need or sorry, you need to pass students by any means necessary. My, my, my failure rate, with a, and that's a D because I don't believe in Ds. I, I think a C or above is passing. D or below, uh, that was right around 2% of my students. So I, I, I had decent numbers. In any event, when that happened, I said I'm done because I can't fight the bureaucracy. What I see with parents in this fight with CRT, the critical race theory, is parents have finally found a voice, and they've gotten sick of you know not having the voice. Here in the Peoria district, we have a battle going on a lot of di- a lot of different things, and one of the things that I've done by not getting directly involved because we do have a lot of proactive parents is to give advice. And one of the key things on advice that I give parents is understand the the book Teachers in the Law. None of us are none of us are, are lawyers. And we don't want it. We don't have the money to pay for them. But if you go through that book and just look at what's available as far as case law, examples of case law, what's allowed and what's not allowed. And most importantly, I tell parents that are going up against the board here in Peoria is understand what FOIA is and utilize it to the best of your ability. At some point, the districts are going to have to fold and start giving up information, whether it's bringing on a teacher that had an abuse had a, had a record of abusing students at another district across the state or uh, questions on curriculum because teachers in our district have tried CRT in an roundabout way. But as soon as we demanded curriculum and we wanted to know what is the compelling state's interest in putting this curriculum in front of students, we see a lot of backpedaling. And we finally see parents on our side of the fence uh, get, gain some traction. And I think that's the biggest advice for parents. And I think that a lot of parents have heeded that advice wherever it's coming from, because the more fight we see against CRT and everything else that's ruining our schools today, the better off we are. And I agree with your last caller or with your guest that we're going to see micro schools popping up in every community where students are going to be able to walk away with that twelve and a half thousand dollars and start paying for the education that not only is rightfully uh, theirs, uh, but uh, for at the end of the day is is right for them. Tim, do you wor- thank you for that. Do you worry about what I worry about and maybe you don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I worry I'm not and it's this. I I I posed it maybe inarticulately to Mike Ferris earlier, but it's okay, so let's say a good and ardent and interested um portion of America subset of America, you know, decides to engage in Micro schools, pod schools, and homeschooling as a result of what they've learned over the last two years and any number of other reasons. Let's assume that that, that, that energized set of people do that. Are, are you worried about that percent not being big enough to um, – yes, it will matter in those children's lives, which is most important. But are you worried about the larger cultural problem that could exist if our families all leave the public school system? Do we leave the public schools – to engage in the kind of mischief with 
70% of the population instead of 75% of the population and, and, and thus resign our schools to ruining even more of the country because our side isn't there to kind of challenge and make headaches for them. Can I take a quick break and ask you to respond to that on the other side of this commercial, Tim, if you understand what I'm asking? Absolutely. Thank you yeah, very sure. much. Do you understand? I can rephrase it. Did it make sense? Yeah, I, I think I think what you're asking is if we all leave, are we Th- that? Yes. If, leave, if we all leave, leave, right? If we all leave, do we resign? At, like like conservative professors did with higher academia, with the university system. That's you know an example. There aren't any anymore. Very few. Um, a if we leave, do we consign the rest to? A free ride to do whatever the hell they want and engage in as much mischief as they possibly can without our challenge, without our eyes, without our being gadflies, A. And B, is that a really small number or big number? I worry about that mom and that dad who just look at these flyers and say, oh, it seems like the right thing to do, transgender. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have David Schweikert representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District, as we do every Wednesday, usually a little earlier. So thanks for accommodating me today, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. No, it actually worked out perfect because we just finished a vote series on the floor. So. Anything good and important that's going to make my life and your life and your constituents' lives better? No. Okay. <laughs> No. no. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, you know. I no. do because I don't know what the alternative is. I just read a tax foundation report published today. The US is looking to increase spending by about four trillion dollars over the next decade. Oh, oh that, that's And it's just, worse than that, you're gonna tell yeah, me. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it is. No. Um we we're actually doing some work today on um President Biden, Nancy Pelosi's capital gain tax hike. Right. And um, the it, it's sort of fun from the really dark standpoint of what bad policy is. So, you know, basic math. They say, hey, we're going to get $430 billion out of this over the 10 years. Um, but a number of fairly moderate to liberal groups have now done their calculations. And they're coming back and saying, eh, we only get about $130 billion over the 10 years, and, oh, by the way, we're still calculating how many people lose their job, what it does to U.S. productivity, and we still need to cost that out because when people aren't working, they're not paying taxes. They're not paying into Social Security and Medicare. When you lose productivity, you lose, actually, future economic growth. There's a real chance that this huge increase in capital gains tax um, over the 10 years does relatively little in revenue and does tremendous damage to economic opportunity for the working poor, for working men and women, and just basic economic growth. I'm worried about that growth part, too, as, as you are. Uh, if I'm reading this report right from the Tax Foundation, it's assuming, given the fiscal 2020 budget, 2022 budget proposals, it's assuming negative growth. If I'm reading it right, yep, that's a, that's yep. a terrible and, thing to assume in your budget, isn't it? Well, and we don't really have. Well, time I guess right if you now. draw a budget like this, <laughs> that's what yeah. you do have to assume, I suppose. 
but but and and I have not seen the tax foundation. We're getting we're supposed to be getting a briefing and a whole big binder on that one because there, there's more to the um, tax fund. And remember, tax foundation is not a conservative no. or, or liberal. No. It's both. It's it's truly an independent analysis. Yeah. But they have really good data yep. on what's called dynamic scoring. Yep. And um, you know some of the interesting things like the corporate gain. A, a corporate tax hike. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you know many of us are frustrated with you know, big, big, big corporate America. Da 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 da. But it turns out the tax hike. It looks like we lose one million jobs in the first twenty-four months. Yeah. There is this concept. You know, the whole laugh. There's much more to the laugher curve than we often talk about. This concept of where's the sweet spot. Mm. In taxation. Oh, yeah. Where Where's that point on the curve? Right. Where does it bend? You know, right. Where do you maximize growth right. and opportunity and also maximize revenues? And after the 2017, the end of 2017, when we did tax reform, we got I, we didn't hit it, but we got pretty darn close because we actually saw a couple of the highest adjusted for inflation revenue years ever for the country. At the same time, we cut people's taxes and they had more money in their own pocket. And that's the goal. Is and, and right now, the Democrats are using the tax code to functionally punish those they don't like and, in a perverse way, turn and take those dollars and feed them out to the folks that help finance their campaigns. So is the Democratic theory then – we're talking to David Schweikert – is the Democratic theory of economics, David, is it that – we are not interested in employment and opportunity. What we are interested in is experimentation that, if it fails, gives you the government as, as, your, as your backup plan. Because it just seems to me, if you look at the year we're in right now and employment versus two years ago, uh, it just seems to me about the last thing a sane person would want to do if employment and growth – where his or her concern would be to make life harder in employers. It just um, seems that's what we're doing. We're making employment harder because we're making it harder to be an employer. It's that simple it, to me. It, yeah. It, it, there's more. I'm sorry to do this. I know. Uh, this is so why we keep you more. around. <laughs> um, first off, I don't know what liberals think. Um, I, can't, I can't seem – I think many of them think with their heart and not their brain – and are unwilling to accept that by doing it through their heart, they really, really, really hurt people. Yeah. And the number of times I've had conversations with, with I mean, fairly honest liberals, they, they seem to want to judge the world around them by their intentions, not by the outcome. Right. I intended the right thing to happen, even though it hurt this many people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like the tax hike we were just discussing. Yeah. When you sit down with one thing, you do realize you're going to unemploy a million Americans in the first 24 months. And they look at you and say, but I meant well. Right. I was going to take those new revenues and spend it on them. Um, the other part is be a little careful. We're coming out of this pandemic. We're coming out of some of the chaos of this last 12, 15, 18 months. Um, the, un- the, the unemployment situation, the job availability situation, in many ways, um, it's a good economic term, is all screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a number of people sitting on the sideline. 
you have more jobs than available workers. You have um, you're flooding the market right now with folks coming across our border who have moderate to no very low um, skill levels um, about to crush those in the working poor in our population. Um, so there's a lot of things all crashing into each other right now. And then you have to overlay inflation mm-hmm. and the Federal Reserve saying they're banking on this being temporary and some economists saying, no, nope, but this is with us for a couple of years. So that's the great battle. You're going to be able to uh, increase your numbers year from November so that we can win this battle legislatively? Yeah, I, I think we take back Good. the House. Good. Um, just because there, there's, I think there's a lot of independents out there mm-hmm. that were uncomfortable with President Trump's tone, mm-hmm. but really saw the prosperity of his economics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, once again, they may have voted with their emotion. Mm-hmm. And now they're actually looking back and saying, maybe a stable economy was the best thing for my family. Stability and common sense, yeah. David Schweiker, thank you. And again, thank you for changing the time uh, this week. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you. We'll catch up next week. I really appreciate everything, sir. God bless you. Godspeed. You betcha. By the way, folks, if you're looking to get rid of those high and unpredictably high utility bills that just seem to go in one direction, up, 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 and thinking about going solar, check out my friend Solar Sandy. Go to Ask Solar sandy.com she brought integrity back to solar in arizona because she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill and if you go with solar sandy right now she'll pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments and you'll receive a one thousand dollar bonus at signing check out the uh, customer testimonials at asksolarsandy.com they're amazing to get started go to asksolarsandy.com and let her know i sent you Back to the Seth Liebson Show. Tim, thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. I asked you uh, before break a couple segments ago if in education reform and parents, you know, making decisions to, you know, use their uh, education dollars and, 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 uh, and opportunities to form new schools, pods, micros, homeschooling, that sort of thing. I, I asked you if, if, if on the one hand it's going to be enough to make a big difference outside of those individual lives, a big difference, big enough difference culturally, society-wise – but also, do we worry about abandoning the public school system altogether because we won't be there to keep it honest? So I look at it differently. I think that if you start taking away money from the public schools, then they will start looking at what it is they are doing to make people go away. I think that schools are so reliant on money in that they don't want to lose students. If you look at Arizona itself, Arizona is is charter heavy. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that, well, there's a lot of reasons, but let's just look at it. Uh, we'll, we'll be naive. Or we'll be very simplistic and say charter. some charters offer better education than the public sector. Mm-hmm. So these kids go over to charters and the public schools say, oh, my gosh, I don't like I don't like that. We are losing money right. hand over, but we right. must make changes. Right. So now they do dual enrollment or, or AP. So they're trying to, like, to, I guess, compensate for their failing or, and for the exodus. Same thing goes on the, on the other end of the spectrum. Those are the good kids. Look at the kids that are being expelled, that are failing out. These are discipline problems, disciplinary uh, 
uh, problem children, if you will. So they were being lost to That's charter right. schools no. as well. Yeah. Now, what districts have done is they have created standalone campuses. In each individual district, they have an alternative campus for those kids that have failed, that have been discipline problems, and they lump them into one campus and they don't lose the money Mm -hmm. because now you're at the alternative campus of Deer Valley, of Chandler, of Scottsdale. You're not going to a charter school. So, again, going back to us that are looking at homeschooling and micro schools, I I think that if enough people leave, school districts will self-correct because it all comes down to to the money, to the butt in the seat, and how much money that goes to the district because without money – you can't build. Without building, you can't expand. If you can't expand, you can't uh, cater to the needs of the municipalities where your districts uh, reside in as far as being a, a, a city that cares about education. And I would definitely use uh, some of the West Valley uh, cities uh, as an example of that, for sure. Excellent, Tim. And, it, and Seth, can I really make a, a really yep. quick point? Yep. David Schweiker is so polished. When he was talking about intent of liberals versus results, I really thought he was going to go after him, but he cleaned it up because we all know that liberals only run on intent and they don't care yeah. about the results, yeah. good or bad, yeah. that, uh, re- that come out. Come yeah, he put policy. that well, didn't he? He did. Oh, I hate him for it. <laughs> no, I do. I really do. He's okay. so polished. I can't stand him. All right, sir. All right, Enjoy. Tim. I can't wait to tell him you think he's polished. That's great. He'll love that. I appreciate it. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. 